Welcome back to another episode of Stories brought to you by Kiosk M1C. Kiosk M1C is the voice of Lower Stable Street and has curated all shops, events and exhibitions on Lower Stable Street since Coldropshard first opened back in 2018. Their mission has been to support new businesses and provide an environment in which they can thrive and grow. I'm Maria Hanlon and in each episode I'll be finding out the real stories of how these businesses have developed and how the community has helped shape their journey. In episode 20, I spoke to Cassandra, the co-founder of Chardong. Chardong is a company that brews Hong Kong-style milk tea. This episode is a lovely listen and we cover everything from how they brew the tea to challenges faced and even future plans. It's also really inspiring to hear how Cassandra and her husband set up Chardong as a hobby and have grown it into a really successful business. This is episode 20 with Cassandra from Chardong. Okay, so could you start by introducing yourself and telling me your role at Chardong? Hi everyone, so my name is Cassandra and I'm the co-founder um, of Chardong. So we're a uh, company that brews traditional handcrafted Hongstyle milk tea. Um, we were founded in London um, just over two years ago, so in August 2021. Amazing. And how did the journey first begin? You said two years ago. So what happened to get you where you are now? It has been absolutely crazy. So really? it wasn't meant to be where it is now, actually. Um, when we started the business, it was actually um, my husband and I, so just two of us. It was meant to be a hobby business, uh, which we did at home. And it just, it just came about because we'd spent many years um, living overseas in Australia and the UK. Um, and we couldn't really find um, any like authentic tasting Hong Kong milk tea. When I mean Hong Kong, like authentic tasting, it's that really strong aromatic tea that you get in Hong Kong cafes, um, which is made from a brew of black tea, evaporated milk, um, and people can add their sugar um, to their liking. Um, usually we find it quite I wouldn't say bland, but it's quite weak um, when you have it overseas. And obviously maybe that's just a molecularised palate. But nowadays we've found that, you know, with bubble tea um, being very popular and people also willing to try different types of flavours um, and also more unique tea blends, we thought, hey, you know, we need to give this a go. Um, and um, that's how we started. We were doing everything sort of by ourselves, including branding, um, website design. I did all the photography. He did all the operation side of things. And then we created the uh, brand, launched it um, on Instagram, and it just kind of blew up from there. So we did a lot of pickups initially, um, and we started to launch in a couple of um, shops, so bakeries, Asian stockists. Um, and then two to three months later, um, we just couldn't really meet demand anymore. So we actually moved into a commercial kitchen and we're still there. So that's that mission kitchen at New Comfort Garden Market. Amazing space. Lots of like-minded startups, um, entrepreneurs, um, a great creative community there. So we're really happy sort of to see the business grow from its infancy stages to where it is now. But definitely it wasn't meant to be a business. It was meant to be a hobby, really. Oh my gosh, that's so interesting. And two years, you said, that's all happened. Yes, yes. You've done so much in that time. <laughs> it's that? crazy. How do you actually make your product? I'd love to know. How does it work? So we still brew it um, exactly how we did when we started the business two years ago. So it's using a very traditional technique. Um, so that technique's actually been recognised by UNESCO as a cultural, intangible asset of Hong Kong. So you have a huge tea jug 
um, I'm not sure if you envision it, a tea jug and a very large filter. Okay. So it's kind of like um, a silk stocking. You may have seen that. Um, it's it's similar to the silk stocking and teacups, um, teapots, sorry, used in, like, say, Tatarik um, in Malaysian cuisine when they brew their tea um, and even Thai milk tea as well. But um, the difference between Hong Kong style milk tea and those teas is um, the technique and time frame so it takes about 45 minutes to brew a pot um, so roughly to 45 minutes and you have to pour that tea between jugs um, essentially at a very high speed very quickly to crush the tea leaves so you can extract that flavor um, and you have to make sure that you do it so that you, evap- you inject oxygen into the tea brewing process and that removes the astringency and bitterness that you can get from tea that's been oversteeped because when you put tea leaves into a pot and you just literally brew it for I don't know five minutes ten minutes you make it a really strong tea but it gets that you know that really bitter really tanniny flavor which no one likes and that's how you get the balanced Hong Kong style milk tea that everyone loves Um, and then once it's done um, we combine it with evaporated milk um, to give that rich flavour um, and just a little bit of sugar because um, we find that these days a lot of our customers um, don't really want a product that's too sugary as well. And we we still need to add a little bit because that brings out that tea flavour. Yeah, that sounds delicious. And you also um, store it in like a sort of flask, don't you? You say it's the original flask milk tea. Where, what was the idea? Of, where did that come about to store it in that sort of pl- flask? And is it a plastic or glass? Or? It's plastic. And um, we did want to find glass, but it's actually very hard to find, especially because we wanted to use a bottle that was, we wanted to use a supplier that was UK based. So all the flasks are produced locally, which we absolutely love. Uh, we were also, because we produced it sort of in the midst of the COVID pandemic as well. So, um, we couldn't really find any other suppliers apart from local suppliers. That really helped from a tr- uh, supply chain perspective. Um, and we just wanted something different, really. Um, everything in the market was just around bottles. Um, we wanted to sort of change how people consume the beverage. So to make it a bit more exciting, um, to add a bit of luxury in their lives. So that's sort of where the Flaskins concept came from. Um, and I think initially some people were like, hang on, looks a bit like a perfume bottle. Is it really? It looks like foundation, but hey, we've got people talking. So that was really fun, really exciting. And we still have the same bottle, same suppliers as we did back when we started, which is great. And also it looks really like aesthetically pleasing. I saw you had photos on your Instagram of like a picnic with like strawberries next yes, to yeah. it. I feel like it looks very cool. And you stock it in lots of different places, don't you? So where locally to King's Cross can people get their hands on it? Um, so locally, uh, we're also at Tian Tian Market, which is quite close by, um, and at King's Cross. So where uh, we do quite a lot of the weekend markets here. So obviously at Lover Service Street Market, um, usually um, we're at the Shotengai Markets, which is run once a month. Um, so they run from Fridays to Sundays um, when they're run. And we've been at a couple of um, events um, where sort of brands um, collaborate with other brands and they bring in all these different businesses, um, small businesses together. So um, like say Delhi or Glue Day, um, they're the kind of recent ones. And they're really fun as well because sometimes it's not all about doing something on your own. It's, it's amazing maybe to collaborate with other businesses and say, hey, you know, tea can pair well with not just traditional Hong Kong pastries, but lots of different things like biscuits, cookies, brunch. Yeah, you 100%. Have in mind, so. Yeah, definitely. And then um, what does it? What does a typical day look like behind the scenes? So you said you started two years ago. You've obviously achieved so much in that time, but what goes on behind the scenes to make it what it is today? Uh, I don't know where to start, really. <laughs> <So> <laughs> a lot, basically. There is a lot. Um, I mean, to put it in simple terms, because... 
product um, is chilled um, and it is packaged, a typical day could start from 6am um, at the commercial kitchen where we're at. And that starts from you know, preparing the teapots, they're ready to be brewed. And once the brewing process has been completed, the tea actually needs to be chilled very quickly so it can be bottled. Um, and we need to make sure that we follow a very particular process um, to ensure things like um, shelf life, um, testing, we're compliant and, you know, health and safety regulations. So that's the challenging part as well. Um, and then distributing to stockists. Luckily, we've got, um, you know, some couriers we work with who are fantastic and some drivers as well. Um, we initially did that by ourselves at the start, but I think with any kind of small businesses, um, it's always good to be able to sort of um, channel your community. Not everything needs to be done by yourself because your time is valuable, essentially. So can you outsource it? Can you partner with other startup businesses? There's lots of startup couriers which we're working with and they're great as well because they understand our challenges and where we're coming from. So they were to be a bit more flexible in our approach, um, which is really good. Um, obviously, that comes with some other challenges as well because, you know, we're building our processes, they're building their processes. But um, I think if you give feedback regularly and we work with each other, that's where you can actually shine and that's how we can grow together. Um, so that's one thing that we have learned that's been really valuable. Definitely, yeah. I guess it's like just realising that you can't do everything by yourself. Yes. And it sounds like it was a lot for you and your husband who set it up yep. um, to start out. So yeah, it's kind of the beauty of collaboration, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's something that's so good down here, particularly on Lower Stable Street. Everyone sort of helps each other. And like we mentioned with the market, it's so nice to see everyone come together and sell their different products and make it work together, which is amazing. And then when did you, so speaking about Lower Stable Street, when did you first find out about this sort of area and get involved? Um, so I've actually been coming here before we, I guess we got involved really, um, I just found the space pretty exciting. Um, lots of energy as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. And it has that startup entrepreneur, entrepreneurial vibe, which we really love. Um, and how we got started um, was through Delhi. So I think last year, last summer, um, they got together um, a couple of businesses which are on their platform. And for those who don't know who Delhi are, they're an um, online marketplace and um, you just have to download their app. I'm not plugging them, it's just for you. We're for some time, I'm not plugging them. Um, and yeah, so they had together a range of businesses on their platform and a couple of us would be helping them sort of co-run the store. Um, and we co-ran one of their stores um, on the first day, I think maybe first or second day. And that was really fun because um, there was lots of tastings. It wasn't just our product because when we have a standard and it's just milk tea, it can get a bit boring because not everyone wants to drink tea. And um, sometimes when you have lots of different things on offer, it draws in the crowd customers and get people talking. Um, that's sort of how we started really. And from there, we just started developing a relationship with other businesses, um, with the market. And that's yeah, that's pretty much it, the backstory. That's amazing. And also, saying about not just the tea, I saw in the market you also sell some products, don't you? Some Was it like some sort of baked goods or something? What are they? So that was um, just really having a bit of fun. Yeah. <laughs> We're not really starting a bakery or anything like that. It's because we had lots of questions from people um, asking us, you know, how do we pair our wholesale milk tea? You know, what do we eat it with? Traditionally, it's consumed at a cafe. Um, and it's like, you know, what can we do differently that could enhance that customer experience? Um, so we did think about 
getting products from other businesses, but sometimes it's a bit challenging from a logistics perspective because we need to be in the market at a certain time and baked goods need to be fresh. So if we can't get it in quite early, then it could be, um, you know, wouldn't be wouldn't be great at all. So um, I've done quite a bit of baking myself um, since, you know, COVID period. And luckily we have a commercial kitchen where we can do a lot of taste testing, um, a lot of R&D. Um, and we did a pop-up last year with Prunes. Um, where we um, served our milk tea and also created desserts. So there was sort of um, that alignment there and also um, that kind of experience um, where we did a lot of trial and error. So we, we knew what could have worked and what didn't work. So yeah, we um, started baking um, some buns for the market, um, kind of a bit different. They were our take on Mexico buns and Mexico buns um, are a very popular item in Hong Kong markets. So we made ours a bit different, um, ours... Um, I kind of like a cookie crust um, with condensed milk. This is not good because I haven't had breakfast. Sorry about that. I'm, very I'm kind of speaking slowly because I'm actually thinking about it. I'm like, oh, I'm actually really hungry. Yes, you've got cookies so. and like the tea. I'm like, mm, nice. And then we baked our own bread, um, shokupan. So essentially milk bread. Um, and we saw that as well. But we also um, used the milk bread to create kind of like um, shokupan cookie toasts. So double baked shogun essentially, nice. and that actually came about as a bit of an accident because I made a couple of um, loaves which I wasn't too happy about at all because shogun has to be if you've seen it, it has to be quite perfect right you can't have any cracks um, but then you but then if the bread isn't perfect you don't want to chuck it out so I just thought hey what if I got the crusts off and I sliced it up and I added some of the cookie batter from the buns um, and you know added a bit more honey um, and spruced it up a bit. What could I do with it? And I chucked it in the oven and it came out fantastic. So we just kept on doing it. <laughs> like really it was great it. if so, I say so myself. I love so, that. So, um, yeah, that was just a bit of a trial and error. But um, we also operate on a sort of no-waste approach as well. So all of our tea is actually made to order for our customers. Um, we predominantly B2B as well. But for B2C, we want to make sure we use the opportunity to get a lot of customer feedback. Um, and that sometimes can be challenging when it comes to that no-waste approach because we don't know how much tea we need to produce the market. Um, so we are quite conscious um, when it comes to how we approach it. Um, so, yeah, that was just one of the things we had in mind when making the bread and making sure we don't waste anything. That sounds great. And I love the no-waste approach. Do you think that's something you're going to do more of, kind of pairing the tea with your own like types of food or maybe collaborating more with other food brands? Um, potentially maybe more collaborations because yeah. we still want to be recognised first and foremost as a Hong Kong milk tea producer or a beverage producer. Um, so we still want to keep to um, what we do best. And I think that helps from a business um, and operations perspective as well. Um, so um, we'll see where that takes us, but definitely open to lots of more collaborations. And we do have some coming up, which um, still sort of in the works. But um, that's where sort of the fun comes from, I think, with the business. Because I've got a, like my background's um, in corporate. So being able to collaborate with businesses, um, network, building that community, I think that's a fun part of doing what we do. And that's what we love. Sounds like a very exciting time. And then reflecting back on everything we've spoken about then. So what do you think is a rewarding part of your job or the most rewarding part, would you say? So I think going back to my point earlier, it's definitely that community. Um, yeah businesses, but also customers. So when we first started, we did a lot of customer pickups and that's where we got a lot of that feedback. Um, and that's sort of how we 
sort of scale, learn to scale um, because we take that feedback and incorporate that into, you know, any just small changes. And even though the product, say, looks the same, there were really small bits and pieces which we did tweak to make it where it is today. Um, so, for instance, um, we got a lot of feedback saying the bottle caps were just really hard to open, really tight. And we kept feeding that back to our supplier and they actually made sure that that got changed. So now it's what it is today. So people, people look at the product and they're thinking it's exactly the same, but behind the scenes, it's these small things. And we wouldn't have been able to do it without our community of customers. Um, so we do try to take the feedback on board and that's what we love about it. That's good that you really listen to them and they must see it like evolve and, we try. and get better and better. That's so <laughs> yeah. good. And then what would you say is a challenging part of your job? What's a bit hard? Ooh, see, that really depends on when you ask me that question. So yeah. I think each as, day is different, yeah, right? Because I think um, as a business grows and depending on which stage, like where you're at um, in the business, you, you, know, you have different challenges. Um, and one thing that we're finding now, and I think a lot of businesses in this industry also feel the same way, is attracting and retaining talent. So definitely very challenging. Um, and I don't really know where to start from there, but um, I mean, I even have a background in talent um, and I'm finding that quite challenging because I think hospitality is quite unique because in other industries, you can say, hey, let's enhance the employee experience. Um, you can do things like I'm going to increase in salary, work-life balance. But sometimes when you work in a kitchen, there isn't work-life balance. Like you're standing, you know, it's a chaotic, crazy environment. But some people love it. Um, some people love it. It's like, how can we find those people who love it? And um, I think also the beauty of startups is it's always changing. Um, there's always lots of other opportunities, events that you can get involved in. And it's making sure if we're finding the right kind of people, is that something you want to be doing in the future? Do you want to grow with us? And it's making sure that they're clear on, you know, there is that opportunity room for growth and room to take on different responsibilities and if so I think then we've nailed finding yeah, the right person so definitely. it's yeah constant communication with um, the people we work with um, and just making sure they feel valued as well and I don't think we're perfect we're still changing um, I think with any small business we don't have like you know all the processes policies things so we'll always need to update quite frequently but hey that I know that can work for some people as well so um, definitely that's a key challenge right now and I think the other challenge might be um, just finding time. Yeah. Yeah, just finding That's time. That's a hard one when you're doing everything yourself, isn't it? Yes, and having yeah. those boundaries as well, I guess, of like work-life balance, like you mentioned. Yeah, and it's really just admitting, hey, I can't do this on my own, um, yeah. as we mentioned earlier, collaborating, but also is it the right time to outsource? Um, what are the really big pain points in our business that we really need to think about? Um, one of the things that we, it took us a while to actually figure out, but I'm glad we did, was... Um, our bottles, they were originally, we actually originally had labels which had to be stuck on. And when it came to a flask bottle, it's actually quite hard to get a automatic bottle labeling machine or got this stuck by um, a company because like, hey, if you just change a bottle to a round bottle, we could just do this for you instantly. It's not that yeah. hard, but we're like, no, it has to be clear because, you know, we need to be able to see the tea um, and it needs to be square. And they're like, no, sorry, we can't help you. And we're like, okay, why don't we just get the bottles printed on? Um, and the challenge of that is obviously you need to get a lot of supply in. So from a cash flow perspective, that was um, one thing we had to think about. But no one likes sticking bottles. That was a massive pain point. And I think every time someone had to do it, it was like, oh, dreading 
training it massively and that would just make the rest of the day miserable so yeah. we changed that and that actually had a significant impact um on just like operations something really simple like that um yeah not needing to stick bottles um was one thing I'm glad that you stuck to the flask idea because I feel like that's your like USP that really makes it stand out to me and it looks beautiful. So I'm glad you you stuck to it and it's like evolved. And yeah, it's interesting just to hear all the small details that go into it because obviously someone looking at it just thinks, oh, this looks amazing. They try it, it tastes amazing, but it's all the things that go on behind the scenes. People wouldn't even think about, but you've (laughs) literally lived through them all. I'm not sure if you can tell just from looking at photos that the first bottles um, were actually you know, labelled and now it's just printed on front and back. So I don't know if they can tell, but hey, it actually... It looks great. Thank you. Um, It's also better from a sustainability perspective because we're using less plastic and those label backs. It's just... Yeah, of course. Horrible. And then reflecting back, what would you say is one of the biggest lessons you've learned along the way? I think with any new idea or new approach, taking that fail fast mindset... um, there are a few things that we sort of sat on for quite some time because maybe a it wasn't perfect. Um, we wanted a product that was um, absolutely ready to go. Um, it's funny because when we created our product um, website, that was done actually really quickly. But when it came to doing subsequent things, really worried with doing anything that would impact the brand um, and diverge away from sort of our operations um, and how people perceived our product. When we launched our one litre bottles, um, we could have done that sooner, but we spent a lot of time thinking about the bottle, the bottle design and the labels. And at the end, we're like, you know what? We're just going to go with the exact same label, but we just made it bigger (laughs) for the bottle. And funnily enough, we haven't changed it since then. It's worked. Um, Sometimes you don't need to change things that much because if you launch it um, and it's sort of like the exact same product line. You can make small tweaks and that's okay. It's okay to stuff up. It's okay to make those mistakes and test the market. I think we wish we did that a little bit earlier and had that mindset. There's a lot of things. Yeah, I need to probably keep reminding myself sometimes, (laughs) even like now, it's like, oh, no, we need to do this. It's like, hang on a second. Wait, let's take a step back. We can just do it like don't stop thinking like definitely don't keep from pondering 100 and I think with anything you're always like kind of learning and evolving as you go along aren't you and as I said you've only been doing this for two years that's amazing so much you've achieved so much in that time it feels like amazing <laughs> very impressed and then what are your future plans for Chardong do you have like an end goal or is it just to keep going how you're going or what's on the horizon next it's actually a tough question yeah um a tough question see- because I think tough question because everything just keeps on changing. The market keeps on changing. Um, and when we launched, obviously we weren't thinking that we'd be where we are now, but um, then it came, you know, then the cost of living crisis um, happened that impacted us, um, that impacted our plans. And when you're sort of a small business like ours, we have to be quite agile and flexible um, and sort of reassess where we are every quarter, essentially, and make those decisions like, okay, we need to sort of do things a bit differently. Um, I think it's definitely ensuring that we retain our product line, where we are, our customers, um, both from a stockist perspective, um, that you know who we stock to, and also our end customers. But um, you know, we haven't actually launched many new products since we started. So we are doing a lot of R&D to see what else we can introduce um, that's exciting and also fun um, and definitely more collaborations. Um, I think we've been doing a lot more of that in the past 
two to three months um, because we've finally been able to get some more staff. And it goes back to earlier, you know, don't try to do everything ourselves. So I think with that um, can sort of give us a little more space and freedom to be creative. Um, so we'll see where that takes us. Um, don't want to make any promises now because yeah. everything's just changing a lot. But yeah. um, don't worry, we're not disappearing. <laughs> That's still very exciting. And do you have any events coming up? Are you doing the market again soon or anything that people can come to? Um, we don't have one this month, um, but we are looking to do the market probably um, December or the new year. Yeah. Um, in terms of events, um, we do have a couple of things on the horizon. So still in the works. Um, one is potentially an um, event with a museum. Ooh, so okay. we're still sort of finalising what that could look like. So yeah. I don't want to give the details, yeah. but um, sort of keep checking back. <laughs> yeah. Where's the best place for people to check? Is it your Instagram? Instagram, website. Um, we want to do more um, sort of immersive experiences um, where people can really chat with us, um, learn more about the tea brewing process, Hong Kong tea culture, um, and take that away as well. So um, hopefully we can start building that community a bit more in next year. And, hey, I think I've answered that question earlier when you asked me what we want to do next year. So yeah, I that word. So, yes, building that community. So one. there we go. Amazing. And then this is a question that we ask all the podcast guests, and this could be literally anything, but is there one sort of book or film or exhibition or creative format that inspired you? It could be when you were starting your business. It could be now. Is there anything that you could, like, point people towards that you think is a great source of inspiration? So two actually. Um, so one book we got gifted um, for Christmas in the year that we launched, the Monocle Book of Entrepreneurs. Um, and it's not really a guide or anything, but um, it's really lovely being able to read about all these businesses from around the world, actually, and have a really global mindset, um, what they're doing, what's exciting. And then you can really see, you know, what's the art of possible? What can we do differently? Um, and the other book, which... I really like as well. And that was the four hour work week. So it's not really um, four hours as the title suggests. It's yeah. um, really learning to prioritize, focus where your efforts are by thinking, you know, what's the lifestyle that I want to achieve? Because um, I've got two kids as well. I want to make sure whatever business that I take on and uh, whatever sorry, business ideas that we take on and uh, what I do with my time and um, that essentially they're prioritised first. I was working a lot of long hours in my previous job um, and I wouldn't want to be doing a business where I'm actually working even longer hours than before. I mean, definitely there is sometimes um, days, weeks, where you do have to commit a bit more time, but it's learning how to prioritise what's important and what you want to do. And it may, it may, sometimes we have lots of ideas where you'd be spending lots and lots of time trying to figure out. And maybe, you know, it's not where you want to spend the most time. It's like, what can you do quickly? What can you do that makes the most impact for your brand? So books like that really help you prioritise what you want to do for your business. I think that's quite, quite useful. But, but definitely, I think... Um, a lot of people forget, you know, what is their objective. Um, they think of the business objective, but really it's more thinking about yourself as well. Make sure you don't lose yourself in the process. Yeah, that's a really good point. A bit deep, but... Yeah, no, that's good. That's a perfect answer. And I feel like I need to check out both those books. They sound great. And then just to finish, where is the one place in King's Cross that everyone should check out and why? Where's your favourite spot down here? So I've got two in mind. Um, actually, potentially more, but I'll stick with these two. Uh, so Yang's Nudes, um, she's, she's a lovely trader who we know. Um, she's sometimes at the Lower Sable Street Market. Um, she makes excellent hand pull noodles, um, usually flavoured with different spices. Um, and yeah, she 
it's all handcrafted original recipes um, and they go with so many different dishes. Um, they're absolutely amazing. Um, and the other one is uh, Lena Stores. Really happy that they have opened um, at King's Cross. Uh, we love them because I've got, you know, two kids and sometimes I just don't know what to eat. And they do really good takeaway boxes. Um, so we sometimes get a couple of do- those um, and we just head to, there's just lots of areas we can sit um, in Coal Drops Yard um, or by, what's the area near the canal? You the steps. So we would sit by the screen, by the canal, if that's what it's called. Yeah. Um, and this doesn't have to be anything showing, but it's just a really lovely environment. They just love um, that atmosphere, um, being able to walk down and see the boats um, and, you know, excellent pasta. Um, and the takeaway prices are also really, really reasonable. So, yeah, I need to do that. Out. That sounds like a great, like, Saturday day out. Bit of pasta, watch, yes, watch a movie. But I love really, that. I don't think you can go wrong with, like any of the stores here definitely yeah there's always so much going on down here and especially like me if you're hungry it's literally the best place ever there's so much choice yes <laughs> so just to end then where can people find you on social media and also where can they buy say in king's cross could you just remind people where they could buy um chardong um so our social media handle is chardong official so same for facebook and instagram and our website is chardong.co.uk and you can find all our stockists listed on our website. So just put your postcode in and it'll tell you your nearest stockist. Uh, but we're at mostly leading Asian grocers, um, restaurants and also bakeries. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me.